Living Mi'kmaq and Donald Trump's U.S. of A. This week, we take a summer trip to visit our Mi'kmaq relatives across the border in the state of Maine. I'm Glenn Wheeler, and this is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. Thank you for supporting Mi'kmaq Matters through Patreon or email funds transfer. Wilalio. Before the arrival of the Europeans, the land of the Mi'kmaq people included most of the lands of what is now known as the northeastern part of the United States and eastern Canada. From Quebec what are now known as the Four Atlantic Provinces, and down to Maine. Though we share our Mi'kmaq tradition, the Canada-U.S. border creates a much different political reality for our relations across that line. Indeed, as we'll hear from our guest this week, the Mi'kmaq people in the state of Maine are in an even tougher legal position than many Mi'kmaq people in Canada. But there are accomplishments, too, of arm community services, and, so far, staying healthy. This is my conversation with Chief Edward Peter Paul of the Aroostook Band of Micmacs. Chief, uh, for those of our listeners uh, who uh, might not know very much about the Aroostook Band of Micmacs, um, you're uh, just west of the Nebraska border in, uh, I, I guess, the biggest town there is Presque Isle, Maine. Do you have, uh, do you have uh, reserve land or, as you say, in the United States, a reservation or do people live, uh, you know, in the, in the general community? Well, it's... Uh... It's it's all of that. It's uh we have it's not reservation land, it's trust land. It's reacquired land that was ours. So we have uh I think it's around five thousand acres um that we own ourselves and it's broken up in like uh seven seven different areas. Mm-hmm. So we have one of the largest parcels we have is is a uh we have a wildlife covenant on it, so it's not to be uh, for housing or economic development. We're going to leave the 1,200 acres as it is and manage it, you know, for the forest and wildlife. Mm-hmm. And then we have uh, another large piece out to the former uh, Loring Air Force Base, you know, um, and that's around 600 acres total um it has a uh you know a, a decommissioned um uh, tank farm like with these 50 50,000 gallon uh tanks you know that they offload fuel on and uh so we have that and then where our farm is located we have a farm 
Our farm is only uh, seven acres, but behind our farm, we lease um, 300 acres of tillable cropland to uh, local farmers. Uh-huh. We have uh, festivals. We, well, we did have before the whole pandemic thing. We had these festivals at our farm, and they were, like, so well attended. We couldn't even put any more people in there. We had to wow. limit them, hmm. you know. So, so yeah, we have that. And then in Prescott, we have uh, 23 acres of, a, of uh, former base housing. So that's where the the bulk of our houses are. I think there's 50, 56 units at Bonaire. And um, so, yeah, that's our biggest residential area. Reading up on the Aristic Band of uh, Micmacs, I um, I saw that Micmac people have a uh, an important, played a port, an important part in uh, American uh, history when um, the American Americans were fighting the British, the Micmacs um, uh, supported the Americans, and the Americans might not have uh, been able to do it without Micmac support. And there was a, a Treaty of Waterdown, which was the very first treaty signed by the new United States of America, and that treaty was with Micmac people. So uh, I think... Um, Many people would not uh, know that uh, important part of, of history. Well, that, that's huge because, like, as you know, uh, nations make treaties with nations. So that was the first, we were the first tribe, you know, of Indians to be recognized by the United States as being a uh, an independent nation. I mean, that's kind of, to me, that's huge. Um, you know, so it's so you're looking at um, you know 15 days after the signing of the Declaration of Independence. You know, they signed that treaty with us to make sure that the British were not going to you know bother them. The the one interesting thing about um, how that all came about was uh, that actually Colonel Allen was from Halifax. And his, uh, I, I think his dad had to do, his dad was like into shipping. I don't know if he was building ships or shipping goods. But he became familiar with, uh, you know, how fierce of a, a fighter they are when they are provoked, the Micmac people. Hmm. So he, he, was, uh, he was sought after by the United States for his uh, skills in, uh, in fighting. And... Uh, he said that, you know, that some of the best warriors that were out there were the Micmac warriors. So that's what, that's how that all started when, uh, you know, Colonel Allen moved to Nova Scotia. Um, some sad things about that. There's been, uh, even some of the treaties, um, some of the things that they had talked about in the treaties, which, kind of uh, turned the Micmac people away. I was reading a story where, uh, and it was one of the last meetings between, you know, um, what was left of the Micmac nation in the state of Maine um, and Colonel Colonel Allen. It took place in a place called Skudik Lake. 
And at Squiddick Lake, you know, that's where that's where our uh, our tribe was asking, um, you know, hey, what about all these promises you made of uh, land and and not being encroached upon? And you know, they they were very disappointed in uh, Colonel Allen for not upholding, you know, those those treaty promises. And he writes in his book, you know, he says that after they went in the woods, that's the last time he's seen the Micmacs, you know. So it's kind of a sad story, you know. And then to see how my nation is uh, being, um, I would say, unfairly treated, you know, by by the United States government and by the state of Maine. You know, um, we do have that treaty, and we don't believe that treaty is being honored. Instead, they have us uh, with almost no rights here in the state of Maine. We're more like a, a, a club than a, than an independent nation. They've taken our jurisdiction because of this thing called the 1980s land claim, which was a uh, which was a land claim settlement between the Passamaquoddies, Penobscots, Maliseets, and the state of Maine. Mm. So they have this agreement where uh, the tribe, the tribes, you know, they got uh, 50, $56 million for the land that was taken away from the Indians in the state of Maine. So those those tribes all split that, and then they got another uh, $25 million for the consideration of the jurisdictional agreement. So these, these three tribes, you know, got, got, had uh, received compensation for, you know, for signing that, that uh, unfavorable document, and then... Uh, they said we were so similar to the Maliseeds that uh, they're going to offer us the same thing, and it was very generous. And uh, my tribe actually we rejected it. Mm-hmm. So right now um, we're trying to we're in negotiations. We're in the beginnings of ne- negotiations with the state of Maine. You're listening to Mi'kmaq Matters. Our guest this week is Edward Peter Paul, chief of the Aroostook Band of Mi'kmaqs in the state of Maine. Though we hear a lot about the political attacks by the Trump administration against Indigenous people, for the Aroostook Band of Mi'kmaqs, trouble lies closer to home. Without the consent of the band, the state of Maine has enlisted the U.S. federal government to force a legal agreement on the Aroostook Mi'kmaqs to which they have not consented. Here again is Chief Edward Peterpool. So in 89, the Micmacs and the state of Maine couldn't come to an agreement, but they still had that, uh, it's called the Micmac uh, Implementing Act. So they took that Micmac Implementing Act, which was never ratified by my tribe, and they took it to the federal government and said, hey, uh, federal government, we have a an agreement with the Aroostook Band of Micmacs. It's right here. 
So the federal government takes that and says, okay, wow, we're going to say that this is the, the, the Micmac uh, Settlement Act. So the Micmac Settlement Act would imply that, you know, hey, we're going to receive some sort of compensation. You know, we didn't, we didn't receive any compensation from it. Um, and they, they took our rights without us agreeing to it. So that's, uh, you know, that's, that's one of our, our biggest battles right now is that, uh, fighting that agreement that we didn't agree to, that the state of Maine, um, falsely represented. Mm. What went to the federal government. So uh, up here uh, in Canada, when we uh, see the news in the United States and the way that President Trump is treating the Native American people uh, in the state of Maine, you're you're focused on fighting the state of Maine rather than uh, Trump. That's where your focus is uh, right now politically with the state of Maine. Yeah. So in our act, it uh, it delegated the jurisdictional agreements to the two parties, which was, um, you know, the Micmac Nation and the state of Maine. It kind of puts us in a bad uh, bargaining situation, you know, when they have all the cards and why would they release anything, you know? So we we anticipate that there's going to be some sort of, uh, you know, legal fight in the future if that's what Maine chooses. I mean, I don't I don't think they can win at this point, but uh I see various numbers uh online about the number of people in the in the band anywhere from nine hundred to uh twelve hundred uh is is that uh, an accurate number of the size of the band at this time? It's not an accurate number of the size I would say we had uh you know our census we're at fourteen something right now, but that's like overall since uh you know since we began in uh 1980, 1989, we started counting. And is that so people back, who live in the community or people who live away also would be counted uh, in the band if they consider themselves part of uh, the Aroostook Band of Micmacs? I think right now that the more accurate number would be between six and 700 people because that's generally who we service. Mm-hmm. Now between we and we, you know, we can get a good count because of, uh, you know, uh, how people participate in uh, healthcare. You know, we have our own clinic. Um, we have a boys and girls club. We have a lot of things that, you know, people sign up for. So we keep track of them that way. And I think it's around six or seven hundred, maybe. Mm-hmm. Probably half of that is uh, maybe under eighteen. So you you have um, this major political battle with the state of Maine. And what about uh, the relationship with the uh, the uh, general community there? How, um, how are people doing in terms of um, of uh, employment and um, and of course uh, we have uh, COVID now, which um, is um, a major issue for uh, for everyone, including uh, and perhaps especially for um, for Indigenous people, uh, Native American people. So, um, how are people doing uh, these days? It's, uh, you know, it's different right now with COVID. Um, you know, people are, they're getting that $600 extra for unemployment. It's really hard for us to get a, uh, a good, uh, um, 
count on, you know, who's available to work even because we don't have any of that. But anytime we do an advertising advertisement for a, a position that we have open, um, we only get like maybe one or two applicants, sometimes none. Mm-hmm. And then, so after that, so like we want native people working at our office. So we just advertise in our community at first. And then we have to expand. So we have this, you know, this, this, this uh, matrix that we have to go through if, you know, first we try to, you know, find people in a job bank that are, you know, in need of a job. And then, you know, we go to the travel community and then we go to the local community and then we go to the state and then, you know, the state and the federal are the same. So, you know, that's one of our hardest things is uh, finding the native people that are, uh, that want to do these jobs. I mean, they're, you know, they're good paying jobs. I mean, it's, you know, probably they're a lot of the jobs that I'm talking about are probably, you know, $22 an hour and up, you know, which is a good wage in our area, you know, when minimum wage is, uh, we have, I think minimum wage is like 12 or $13. We're trying to pay, which we try to pay a, uh, a wage that is a more, of a living wage and not like minimum. It's like we want people to be able to, you know, not to worry so much about, you know, paying their bills. So we try to pay them accordingly, you know, um, you know, instead of just scraping by and having, you know, both parents working, you know, two, two or three jobs to get by. Um, that's our goal is uh, a living wage, you know. So that's one uh, impact of uh, COVID is this uh, $600 uh, payment, which um, has that, uh, I guess, unintended consequence of uh, making it difficult for you to to find workers. How about um, uh, the other impacts? Uh, Your Maui Omi in in August has been canceled, like uh, most, uh, I think, all powwows in, uh, you know, on in in Mi'kma'ki. Um so that's a big bowl because people that's where people see each other. Uh, yeah. they're past cross uh on the Powell Trail uh once a year. But, uh, this year we're not uh, we're not doing that. Uh, you've had uh I think you've had a few cases in Aroostook County, but I think you're not as impacted as other areas of, of the state of Maine in terms of actual COVID cases. Right. There's there's two active cases right now in Prescott, and they, they originated from Walmart. I think it's two or three, maybe three. Um, but they they were uh, exposed to somebody that came up to do, like, painting on the building. Like, somebody from um, Texas came up, and then he was interacting with these people, and that's how, that's how all that happened. But, uh, yeah, COVID's... Uh, COVID is hard on everybody. I think it's hard on the elders, like not having the Maui Omi is, is I get the most concern from the elders, I see. you know, you know, they keep asking, you know, uh, there's nothing that we can't do. And it's like, no, we, we have to protect people. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to have it. Even there's, even in the communities, like I was in, I was down to, Bon Air, which is our major um, community, and uh, yesterday I was walking around, and you know there was a, a couple families came up, and and 
you know, they were talking about the Maoism. Can we do something? And what I had to tell them was, I can't stop you, you know, if you guys want to organize something. They said, well, you, you come? I said, yes, of course. So it's like, it has to be community organized, you know. And that's what they did, like, during the 4th of July. I mean, they they blocked off a street and they had a fireworks show that lasted, geez, it, a couple of hours. So they bought the community all chipped in. Whoever was on that street, I think there was, they, they might have spent like probably four or $5,000 they had collected, wow. you know, in, in money just from people, you know. So that's, that's pretty cool when, yeah. when communities do that. And how about the you're you're very close to the New Brunswick border. Is the border, uh, of course, the Canada-U.S. border is uh, is closed. Uh, in normal times, uh, is there a lot of uh, back and forth um, between um, Micmacs there uh, and in um, uh, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia? I know many of you uh, in uh, the Aroostook Band have Nova Scotia connections. You lived in uh, in Nova Scotia as a as a as a child, and I see your Someone who does cultural programming for your language instruction comes from Eskasoni. Eskasoni has turned out a lot of language instructors. So uh, I'm pleased to see that you benefit too from uh, uh, es- Eskasoni uh, maintaining uh, the Mi'kmaq language. So uh, yeah, in normal times, uh, do you uh, is there a lot of um, Canadian uh, connection uh, with with other Mi'kmaq people? It's all it's all Canadian connection. We're all connected to Canada here. Uh-huh. We're all connected to tribes there. So to be a part of our tribe, you have to show ties to Arista County. You got to show that you're, one of your ancestors were here, okay? Um, so there used to be a lot of uh, potato pickers, loggers, uh, people you know that coming up from raking blueberries. This used to be a very very popular place. If you talk to a lot of the older Micmacs, they would know right where Aroostook County is or Prescott or Caribou or Fort Fairfield, Mars Hill. You know, they've been there. You know, and uh, so this isn't, this place has, has been ours. This is, a, there's a Maliseet just across the border, uh, probably 25 minutes from my house is uh Chief Ross Burley, you know, he's the chief of the, the Maliseet. He's a good friend of mine. We grew up playing hockey, wow. you know. Um, so, but we've, we've always been here, you know, we've never left. We have never left. So uh, there's always been Mexicans here in the state of Maine. It's just that that yeah. border was drawn in 1776 right down to your land and uh, got in the way of uh, the natural the natural uh, patterns of uh, Mi'kmaq people. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, especially like the uh, the St. John River. You know, you can go all the way up to Quebec. If you go up the St. John River to, to the, uh, you know, up to the tributaries, uh, the Big Black, you know, this is a place that I've been. It's called the, the Big Black, the confluence of... Uh, the St. John River and the Big Black. There's a place there. Um, it was the last, 
it was one of the last known um the last known uh, tribal camp was there it was a uh, it was a lookout place and you could see you know up the river down the you could see three ways so far wow. you know it you know why they picked it that was edward peter paul chief of the aroostook band of micmacs Allison Baker is the producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for the latest Mi'kmaq news and views. I'm Glenn Wheeler, Nimaltus. Mm-hmm.